snap. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Welcome to 2019. Welcome to the Part-Time Artist Podcast. Once again, here I am after another long hiatus. This is the first one of 2018 and January is almost over. Um, so I'm still like, oh, I'm still trying to figure this out, man. Uh, trying to figure out what to do, how to be a podcaster, what, what to podcast, what's important, what's not important, what people want, what the deal is, just everything, just trying to figure it out. But, um, I've come to the consensus that, uh, it's really hard for me to to stay uh, in a rhythm with podcasting, especially if I have nothing to really talk about. Um, so I think from now on, I'm just going to try to, whenever I have shit to talk about, I'm going to do it. Whenever I want to do like a bike log, I'll do it or a, or a radio show or something. And then at least for until things chill out a little bit, like, I'm not going to try to put pressure on myself to do one a week and, like, have them be mediocre. I'd rather them spaced out a little bit more, but actually be interesting, you know, and then you want to, you know, we'll get up to the once a week when more interesting things happen, I guess. But anyway, um, I haven't, I've tried to do some new stuff this year. Uh, been doing the biking thing and, uh, I started to do like a little workout, started to wake up a little earlier and that might be my new podcast time. I might be a a morning guy now. Look at, (laughs) look at how full circle we've come. We've come to the no sleep podcast to now, uh, the early morning podcast, early, early to rise podcast. I'm an old man now. I'm 26 years old. It's fucking, it's over. Like, yeah, I'm an old man. I'm waking up early. I want to get a head start on the day so I can feel productive. So that's kind of where I am now, I guess, with 2019, the changes we want to make. I'm going to try to be a little bit more productive, wake up earlier, things like that. Maybe even do like a little workout. I want to try to get into, you know, Reading, educating myself, all that types of sh- stuff. Swearing less, trying not to be a kid. Does no one likes a grown-up kid, right? I don't know, just immature. But <sighs> what has leveled me? Thursday night, I'm biking over to rehearse with the War Park guys. We're trying to get ourselves back into a rhythm. We've had a rough time trying to stay in a rhythm with rehearsing these past few months towards the end of the year. It's been tough because we've been really trying to get this recording together and we're trying to do it ourselves. We're trying to do it cheap and uh, it it takes a lot more work because, uh, I don't know, we're just uh, very meticulous. And then when you work with an engineer, I don't know. The vibe is just totally different. The engineer is constantly putting his spin on what like sounds good, I guess, and and the things that he's learned in school or from his experience. 
So when you work with an engineer, at least like, you know, some guy in a studio, they're always going to record you the way they like to record. Um, and not that it's a bad thing. More often than not, it sounds good. Uh, but that's, it just leaves little room to do this and that and to experiment because you're just like, oh, like this is, this is the recording. And, uh, we kind of, the way we are as War Park, as the newly formed three piece, uh, we're kind of relying on, uh, just what we play the effects we have, the way we work together. It's not, we're not, we don't do too much or we don't want to do too much with the recording. So I guess it's, it's, that's the way it is. So when we're doing it ourselves, we're, we're doing, we're going full out, you know, we're like adding fucking animal noises and all types of weird weird shit to see if it makes the song sound cool so in turn it does it does make it take I guess longer but in the end hopefully it'll be more fulfilling but that's what we've been up to and so I was biking over on Thursday night try to get back in the practice of rehearsing because we haven't we haven't gone there too often because we've been focusing on the recording and experimenting and mixing and getting that stuff ready, and I get leveled by a car door. It just comes from the side. It's not like I ran into it. It it ran into me. The car door essentially like half clotheslined me in the side and it knocked me into a a parked car. And it really blew my knee out. I'm still working with it. The knee's a lot better today, but yesterday I could not, like, I couldn't walk. It was so bad. Um, but no, no fractures, no breaks. And luckily, right after a cop drove by, maybe, maybe the sound of me hitting a car. <laughs> like caused them to be like what happened over there and they they drove up and I flagged them down and we got a whole accident report speaking of which I have to go call that precinct so that I can get that accident report number because my bike was totaled totaled man it was in a pile and uh it it was just it was just a mess man it was just a mess and uh uh, but luckily, you know, I get the whole thing worked out with the cop. They do the whole report and everything, and um, hopefully I'll be able to make a claim and get this guy to pay for my fucking bike because uh, I did not pay $1,500 for some Uber driver to half stop his car in a bike lane and let the passenger just fire the door open without looking. It's like... It's out of control, and uh, there were two huge parking spots that the guy could have easily pulled into to let the person out, but instead opted to uh, be a little bit lazy, be a little bit risky, and stick their stick half of their uh, you know side into the bike lane, and then just say, "Oh well, whatever," you know. It's weird, like, when people get into taxis and Ubers, they know not to open the car in traffic, right? Because uh, 
you know, you fire your car door open while the green light <laughs> is going and cars are driving past you. You know not to do that, right? Because it'll take your door off if somebody's driving by. But for some reason, when you pull over in a bike lane, it's not the same philosophy. It's not like, oh, uh, somebody's going to take my door off. It's like, oh, I might, somebody just might get wrecked. And on Thursday night, that somebody was me. So I kind of just waited. I called up Nick. I said, hey, can you give me a ride? And Nick was cool. So he, he took his car. He went and picked me up and picked over the pile of wreckage that was my bike. And uh, he drove me to my parents' apartment. I ditched my bike in the bike room um, and went to urgent care and had them take a look at me and everything was was all good. And then I took a cab home. So not not too bad, not destroyed, but couldn't go to work on Friday. And uh, I've been kind of on my ass ever since. Um, yesterday was totally like non-productive I didn't read I didn't I didn't even watch like anything informative I just I just killed time all day but um I did get to do we were were supposed to rehearse again last night and I thought I'd be able to do it and then I was just like uh it's gonna take me a lot to be able to (laughs) walk my ass to the train and stuff like so Nick and Simon ended up coming over here last night, and uh, we we messed around with some of the equipment I have here, and Simon brought some equipment, and then, um, you know, uh, we got to planning out the re- what the rest of the year looks like. Um, so I guess we're going to talk uh, in this podcast just about we'll we'll reflect a little bit on uh 2018 and uh first off let's start with the birth of war park this started at the very beginning of uh 2018 this is our single check it out
you might need to spell it out People waiting in a lie I can't believe this If you wanna change location Can I meet you at the station? Right to your mother's door So let's start with you Let's talk to Let's start with you Let's talk to you Let's start That's our single. It's called Early Onset Regret. That came out about a little over a year ago. As soon as uh, 2018 dropped, we dropped our new band name, our new single, our new attitude, everything. Um, And that song took us to a lot of places. And it was... At the time, I guess it was our our strongest song, and it was you know it was it was a good decision and the way we recorded it. So that's a song that we went into a studio and we just had uh, Tom. I think it was called Spaceman Studios, something like that. We just went into a studio and we're just like, this is our song. Um, let's just like try to capture it and. And that's what happened. And it was pretty effortless um, in in the recording. Like, I I think I, I don't really, I don't even, I think Nick did, we recorded along with Nick. The drums happened in like two takes, I think. Uh, we were really tight. 
And the same thing with the bass. I just recorded one part at a time. You know, I want to do... And every time I needed to change my effects, I was like, all right, pause, and then switch effects, and then it's like, okay, go, you know. And the same thing with Simon. Simon, I mean, Simon had, you know, he tried a few different solos. He came in and did some vocal stuff. That was cool. But, yeah, we just were, like, in and out, and we just wanted a song that was going to get us some better shows and hopefully take us on tour, and that and that's exactly what that... uh that song did. We played great shows. We played uh, BK Bazaar. We played Rough Trade. Um, and, we, and it took us like on tour. We played, you know, really cool spots. And um, unfortunately, like there's a lot of stuff that I I feel like I should be able to or I don't know that you guys should know about. I should have like documented a lot of stuff, especially on tour. It was hard cause I was doing a lot of the driving and tour is like, so I guess I'll just kind of summarize what tour is like. We're at the level we're at. Okay. Like some people, they have itineraries, they have sound checks, they have this and that. But for us, we booked, Let's let's talk about the summer tour because that's that's where like things were really into high gear. So tour was kind of like let's start from like where you wake up. You wake up, you figure out where you are on the map because it's not very clear. Sometimes the night before you followed somebody home <laughs> If they're going to let you crash at their place, they're just say, okay, follow my car. And you just kind of drive, you follow them, and then you crash at their place. Or you you put, you put find some hotel in the fucking middle of nowhere, so the cheapest hotel, and you crash there for the night. So that's, um, that's what you do when you wake up. You figure out where you are. You figure out where you need to be the next day. So if you have a show the next day, uh, yeah, you need to you need to think about how you're gonna get there. If you don't have a show, then you kind of wake up and you're just kind of like, okay, uh, you know, what do I do here? So when I woke up in uh, Saint Augustine, Florida, we played a show. Um, I slept in the van. The other two boys slept in slept on the floor of somebody's house. It was the decision was you could sleep on a floor and be in the air conditioning or you could sleep in the van and be in the elements of Florida at the near end of July. So the two boys who were uh, quite heavily under the influence. They chose to sleep on the floor, and I chose to sleep in the in the car. And it's hard to tell who was right and who was wrong because I, I peeled out of that car like Ace Ventura peeling out of that rhino. You know, when I woke up, I was just covered in... I don't, it wasn't sweat. It was like a substance. I don't know what it was, but it it didn't feel like sweat. So anyway, like I woke up to the sound of a boulevard of cars just 
So that's that's what I started hearing at like some point in the mor- some point in the morning. And um that's when I was just like, all right, well, it's time to do something. I woke up and I went in, into the house to see if they were up and everybody was still passed out, so I knew it was morning, so it's kind of like, all right, well, what do you want to do? And my <laughs> at first my philosophy was, well, I'm here in Florida. How do I jump in the beach? And I just kind of roamed around St. Augustine looking like uh, a real vagabond, uh, vagrant, and I couldn't find a place to jump in the beach. They were like, oh, there's a park about three miles that way if you walk, and I was just like, yeah, it's kind of hard to walk three miles here. <laughs> it was, the the sun was out. The sun is, in, uh, is early to rise in Florida. So I kind of hung out at this coffee shop and just, you know, hung around and waited, met this guy, I forget his name, but he ran the coffee shop and he was talking to me about Florida and how he was in Jacksonville, but it's too racist. So he came down to St. Augustine and it's cool here. And the show we played in St. Augustine was cool. It was at this place uh, called Sarbez. And uh, it was a really late night, but the people there were really cool, and they gave they gave us a bunch of uh, free alcohol and stuff. So uh, hence the boys crashing on the floor. And then the next morning you wake up, and then it's just like, all right, well, what do I do? So I just kind of killed time. I guess that's a point where you know I could have like documented where we were at, what's going on, keep some sort of tour diary, but at this like I was delirious. It felt like I'd been in a, in a desert for a couple days, the sun beating on you, the way you just climb out of the car. I was walking around with no shirt on. Like that's how, that's the level I was at. I was a real Florida man in that moment. But anyway, like to make a long story short, you know, we get the boys together. We realize, Oh, like our car doesn't start. And then we find, you know, find a we're at the next where the next gig is it's like oh it's in fucking georgia so we drive all the way you know to georgia or whatever and then we uh you know we're filling up our gas tank while the engine's on because we know that if we uh if we turn off the uh engine we might not get it back on we might be stuck in the fucking gas station so that was uh yeah scary. I would not recommend doing that, but anyway, um, yeah, and then you figure out where the next show is, and you barely get there, and we barely made it in time because of the car trouble, and yeah, and then and then you kind of play the show, and then again, you're like, all right, where are we going to crash tonight? And then it's like, oh, I got a place, follow me, and then and then there you are, you're back in the loop. So it's pretty much, it's pretty much like a collection of nights like that, um, in general. But so, the difference maker is, you know, the bands you play with, the people that show up, where you play, and uh, you know how much stuff you sell. And there's places also that have a certain vibe. So even if you don't have the best show and you don't sell that much, like when we go to a place like Richmond, Virginia, which we've been to a few times, 
we still haven't had like a great show there, but there's just something about the vibe of that place that makes us always want to go back, you know. But then there's also a place like um, Ottawa, Canada, or um, Minneapolis, where we play these house shows, and they're just packed and everybody is just eating it up and you know it's sweaty everybody wants to buy stuff everybody wants to sign up for the mailing list and everything is just great but it's just like the rest of the town it's just like what are we doing here you know so it's it's figuring out places like that you know nashville which is the most overhyped bullshit city probably in the country where we go there figuring that, like, you know, this is the music place, right? And we're walking around, and it's like we're in a twilight zone. It's like we're walking by people in freaking La La Land. It's Times Square times a million uh, with just people out, like, with nothing to do, just getting hammered. You know, there's all this old-school country music vibe to the point where it's, like, scary you know, it, it's, you don't, you don't even know if these are, are real people or if they're like, you know, robots or if we're in the matrix or something like that. So, you know, it's figuring out places like that. And that, and that's what the goal was for that song. And that's what we did this year, um, or the last year. And, um, the goal, and we met with the boys last night to figure out, all right, what's the goal for this year? And this year we're getting that, recording done three songs we're our goal is to put it on a seven inch record and do it all over again and somehow be able to play more shows or something like that yeah i don't really know um so let's get into another song another cool thing we'll go like three pivotal moments that happened this year uh, in my life and in, in being a part-time artist in this music wasteland that is America. Um, this is another cool moment. Uh, this, I don't even know where this ranks like in my life, but uh, this was the ultimate to me. I made a promise to myself a very long time ago that if the distillers ever came back, I have to go to the shows and the distillers came back last year after, I don't know, 15 years of just nothing, just total radio silence doing other things. And they, they book like five shows and I get tickets to two of them in California. So I fly out there and, uh, and that's just what I, (laughs) that's just what I had to do. Um, So this is uh, for tonight. You're only here to know. Check it out. Just to 
the Distillers uh, song is off of the 2003 Coral Fang album, which is, to me, just a total masterpiece. Um, might be my favorite album, definitely one of my favorite albums by any band. Um, and the first night, me and Zach, a uh, friend of the podcast, Zach, L.A. Zach, um, we go to, we drive down to San Diego because the first show is in San Diego, and they play that song, and they say that this is the first time we've ever played this song, and that's when it just hit me because there was something about that song that I really... I really connected with before the show, but it still, it wasn't like a banger. Like when you think of the distillers, you know, and you think of, you know, their, their thrashy songs and all of, all of the stuff that made them like popular, you know, real catchy, real fast stuff. But that song is so melodic and heavy. And obviously Brody just rips it singing and, it had it had a vibe that really separated itself from definitely the rest of the album and the rest of the stuff that they've done. Um, and when she said that and they played that song, it just hit me how special it was that I flew to the other side of the country, you know, thousands of miles, and there I am in a room that's, that's like the most standard, like it's like a bar. I'm in a bar watching the distillers like they're a local band. And that, I guess that's the point is that they are, they wanted to be a local band again. So they waited 15 years and killed off their fan base at the time and then tried to resurrect and become a local band again. And I was there. And it was so powerful to me and I knew that that album meant so much to me that I went to the merch table beforehand and they had a hoodie that had the album artwork on the back of it but the hoodie was $50 and I was like why is that hoodie so much money you know the album's been out for you know such a long time and he goes to me, he's like, oh, we only have like two of these left. Uh, they're from the tour from 2003. And I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. But then after the show, I don't even remember at what point I went back to that guy. It might have been bef right before the show or something. Because I was like really thinking about it. I was like, wow, that's really cool. That's from... 15 years ago and they didn't sell it and there's only two of them left and at some point I think it was before the show I went back and I was just like dude I have to have it and I laid it down and got the hoodie and then when that song played I knew that I had made the absolute right decision because it meant so much to me to be there and to be able to see that and to experience the band and you know, again, nobody in that crowd was ready for me. I was moving everybody. Everybody was just, like I said, they must have killed off their whole fan base because though the shows are sold out, obviously, 
I guess it's just people that want to like really watch and capture and like ingrain the night into their memory, but I'm just there to just totally be immersed in the concert. So I just had the <laughs> totally different outlook on that show and I just lost all consciousness, just everything to to where you're staring you're staring at the ceiling and and you're just screaming the words as loud as you can to whatever higher power is up there just so that you have as much connection as the band does up there. Something like that. I don't even know. I, I get really weird. But that, that week of being down there in California and going to those shows and bringing Aaliyah and hanging out with Zach and all of that, I really didn't know what to expect from all of it. I knew it was going to be the best time just because of the shows, but it ended up being such a monumental thing in my life that I I went for it, you know? And I didn't second-guess myself. I wasn't like, oh, I said I would, you know, I said I would go to the show, but it's all the way in California, and I don't know and this and that, I didn't, I just totally stayed committed, I was like, I owe this to myself, I know it's a lot of money, I'm gonna just fucking do it, just fucking do it, and it ended up being one of the most important things that I've ever done, and I'm gonna take that experience, and I'm gonna have that for the rest of my life, that's how much it meant to me, it was, it really was the best time, um, so now, uh, what else is there to talk about? Um, I guess the last, the last thing that really, that really made 2018 special was um, not releasing the Knucklehead album because that was obviously 2017, but the the shows that we got to play. Um, Two of which, the two biggest shows we've ever played as a band, probably. The two biggest shows I think I've ever played in any band. Uh, The first being opening up for H2O April 20th at the Brooklyn Bazaar. And I'm (laughs) I'm trying to look through and see, like, if I... (laughs) If I talked about this before, just so that I don't say what the, what the, yeah, okay. So I did episode 91. I talked about um, opening for H2O. Um, but why that, that was such a crazy thing. And then also obviously uh, playing at the Warp Tour. Again, I talked about that episode 92. So um yeah the summertime touring from you know touring with knucklehead wait a minute wait a minute now wait a minute now so Wow, so I opened up for H2O. This is how this is the timeline of everything. Okay, the War Park uh, song drops in July, in January, and then we sort of play some shows. We get everything together, 
and uh, we start booking the tour for the summertime, and then the and then we get offered to open up for H two O in April. Well, I guess first I buy tickets. So we open up for H2O in April, and then I fly out to I fly out to California to hang out with the distillers. <sighs> Oh my god. So I really I opened up for H2O. We fly out to see the distillers. I come back May in May and uh I move into a new apartment in May. And then in June we go on tour with War Park and then in July I play the Warp tour. That was that was so unbelievable and then and then obviously i reconnect with aaron comet bus and be able to sit down with him on tape and be able to hang out with him so th- that period of late spring early summer that really was like a real peak a real plateau for me to just you know i don't know to in in music and uh it was just it was just the ultimate thing. The warp tour was great. I don't want to retell the same stories that I said in those two podcasts. I don't even remember what I said, but you guys can go back and check it out. Hopefully it's not uh scatterbrain Roger trying to put everything together cuz my memory is terrible, but um yeah, so 2018 was cool. 2019 so far has been quiet. It's only we're only one month in, but the rest of 2018 in the um fall and winter was a little bit quiet as well. Just playing some local shows. Some of them were cool. Um you know the the pop punk high show was cool. We opened up for a musical um the rough trade show recording and uh yeah we're 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 trying to get it all together again and hopefully we can have another big push in springtime and and stuff like that so uh yeah that's uh that's a wrap for twenty eighteen uh as always thank you guys for listening and uh with that I'll say uh, (laughs) there's no perfect song in this one. This is Knucklehead's take on the Pinhead Gunpowder song. Anniversary song, as always. Rip on, everybody. I'll talk to you soon. I drove a wedge between the day and night. My fear is casting a shadow. This girl should drive me down the street tonight. My spirit takes me through this avenue The time has come today When I stop two blocks away Someday I will return To the ashes that I burn To sing a song of
that's on 